but boy, it's good to have Kelsey back as spiritual leadership, and uh, I mean, he's been such an integral part of our church, and um, we're just thankful for him, glad to see him uh, in good spirits um, and here, here with us. Uh, we are uh, starting into a new sermon series this morning, um, and as I prayed about where to go after we finished up Jonah last week, um, you know, the title of the last sermon in the Jonah series was Mic Drop because of the way it ended. It was like God just spoke, and it was so powerful and so true that he didn't need to say anything else after that. Um, and, and I thought about the times that Jesus really did uh, that many times, spoke in such a controversial way in his time and in his culture um, that, that it, it felt like he was doing uh, the mic drop. He, he was dropping the mic. And uh, one of those times, as I thought about it, was this message that we're going to dive into starting this morning. Uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Who's heard of that? All right, most of you have figured that. Um, and so it's about three chapters long. It's in the book of Matthew. It starts in chapter 5 and goes through uh, chapter 7. Um, and uh, at the essence and the theme of this, uh, this, his sermon that he, this is Jesus, a sermon that Jesus gave. And we're going to go into a little bit of details on this. Uh, this morning is really going to be an introduction. Y'all are so excited and you can figure out how long this series is going to take, because this morning we're not even going to get to a word he spoke, really. <laughs> so, so you can just get ready uh, to be with us in this one. I thought, man, I could probably do this in six weeks, have it done before Easter. And I started looking through it, and I said, that would be unfair to the power of the truth that's in, this, in these three chapters to try to rush our way through it. So if y'all be all right, we're going we're gonna to take our time and settle into several of these passages of Scripture. And, uh, man, the more I read it, the more it blessed me. Um, and, and so the central theme of this, and you can see this is a title of the sermon series, A Kingdom Upside Down. The theme of this sermon is about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Son. All those are the same thing. And that's the underlying theme, and we'll, we'll make a case for that in a minute. Um, but, you know, a kingdom... We think of that as a lot of times in a political, uh, political sense or a geographic sense. Um, and we'll find that, uh, you know, many of you know, for work I had to travel not too, not too long ago, about a month ago. And uh, I got to travel out of the States. It was the first time I've ever been out of the country. Uh, luckily, I went to England, which is, you know, not that much different, right? Uh, they speak the same language. But it was abundantly clear to them every time I was in a store or a little restaurant and I spoke right when I spoke they they knew I was not from England and the first question was where are you from that was always uh, the question so apparently we speak English of our own type um and uh, so they'd always ask where are you from and they'd say are you, are you from across the pond and they'd say stuff like that and they call it the pond it's like that's a big pond where I'm from um but they always knew that I wasn't from there and I think that's to the heart of what Jesus is speaking to here, is he has a kingdom, and we're going to talk about that this morning and get an intro to it, and we're going to realize that those in the kingdom, it is apparent that they are in the kingdom, that they are from where they're from, and that there's a difference uh, about them. And so this passage, uh, this sermon really gives where, where I don't want us to start, because it's very kind of prescriptive. It's pretty preachy. It's Jesus telling people what to do, what we should live like, and, and, and what the character of, of people 
in the kingdom of heaven should be like and how we should how we should live. Um, so as just a real quick breakdown of the kind of three areas that it looks at. The first, uh, the first part, which is the Beatitudes, many of you will know that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, that, that list that he goes through in chapter 5. Uh, the first section is really describing the citizens of the kingdom, their character, who they are, what they look like, how they should act. Um, the second section really talks about the righteousness of the kingdom. And man, we're going to dig into some fun stuff through that section. Uh, things like anger, money, worry, praying, giving, tithing, helping those in need, revenge, divorce, how we deal with our enemies, should we judge others, lust. Does this all sound fun? Y'all excited? The righteousness of the kingdom. And then the last section that we will... Uh, take a look at and we'll probably take almost all of those a sermon at a time it's hard to group them together there's so much meat there and then the last of his sermon is really an exhortation or an invitation to enter the kingdom and so that, that's the way we're going to look at it and, and so as I was saying there's very prescriptive here's how you should live here's what you should be I wore a jacket today so I could be like a real preacher and uh and I thought earlier it was getting pretty hot in here I don't know if y'all can feel it but th just this two difference being up closer like I started sweating I thought I could take that off you know like I'm getting riled up preaching and take my jacket off it's like a real preacher uh, but then they turn the air conditioner leave leave it on um, but it's very prescriptive right it's here's how you should live your life and so I want us to just start and understand before we dive into this this is not Jesus teaching them how to get into heaven okay this is Jesus teaching the disciples, those had to put their faith in them. Those, that, like the the grace of God, gives us these things. Uh, we are we become part of the kingdom of God by faith in Him, and that's the only way. Now, there, this is great direction to those of us that are Christians that are saying, "How do we get closer to God? What should our life look like? How can I be more?" And that is, this is we're going to have fun with that over the next, who knows how long. Um, but this is not about, all right, so Jesus is going to make the next level of Ten Commandments that tells me how I should live my life and see whether I'm a Christian or not. That's not what he's doing here. Um, so let, can, if we start with that in mind, I'd like to start there. Um, so kingdom of heaven, a kingdom upside down. I want us to think just for a minute. Um, the Old Testament, there's lots of prophecies about a Messiah. I, what I want us to do, I don't want to just jump in this verse and start reading the Beatitudes until we really understand the, the gravity, the, the significance of what is happening at this moment. So in Daniel 2.44, Old Testament prophecy, said, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Psalm 2.6, David wrote uh, that I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Amen. There were all these Old Testament prophecies from hundreds of years before New Testament when we're reading here in the book of Matthew that pointed to a Messiah that was going to come. God was going to send the one and final prophet that was the chosen one, the savior of all the world, the perfect sacrifice that this person was going to come, okay? And he was going to be a king. And God was going to set up a kingdom. 
Okay, so if you're a Jew in that time and you've fought wars with kingdoms and you've had a kingdom and you've had your kingdom taken away, what are you thinking about when you are thinking God is going to set up a kingdom? Because at this time when we're reading, they were, uh, their kingdom had been really taken over by the Romans. Right? They were surrendered to Rome and Rome was in control. So what are you thinking this king's going to do? You're waiting for the Messiah to do what? Overthrow Rome, right? You're going to set up a kingdom that's going to destroy all the other kingdoms. And you're thinking a political kingdom. Okay, You're thinking a strong, powerful leader. The first four chapters of Matthew, first chapter gives us genealogy that demonstrates that Jesus has the legal right to rule Israel. We find that he was a descendant of King David. That was prophesied the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. And sure enough, Jesus was. Chapter 2 shows that even the Gentiles, the Magi, they accept his kingship. They come looking for him when he's born. We know the Christmas story. Chapter 3 fulfills another. Let me know what they need. <laughs> turn, turn it on. We'll preach to them. Uh, uh, I'm going to turn mine off because, listen, I'll do the same thing. Um, uh, so chapter, chapter 2, uh, show that the Gentiles, like chapter 3 fulfills another prophecy. It said there would be one that would come before him, pointing toward him, and we find John the Baptist has started preaching uh, a sermon that says, Repent, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. We find that John baptizes Jesus, and in chapter 4 of Matthew, Jesus has started his ministry. He's called his first disciples. He's gone and said, follow me. Simple words. Simple words. He speaks to all of our hearts, and some of those had decided they'd followed him. Uh, we find at the end of chapter 4, he started working miracles. Everybody is coming to him. It says everybody that's got somebody sick or, or mentally challenged, or they're all trying to get to Jesus and bring to him. And so his ministry is starting to grow. Um, and then we find Jesus throughout this sermon, I'm going to give you a few hints here. Uh, Jesus mentions the kingdom several times in his message. Matthew 5.3, he says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.10 says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven again. Uh, Matthew 5.19 through 20, lest in the kingdom of heaven, great in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone will enter the kingdom. So we find this is a core theme in Jesus' message. You see, what the Jews wanted at this time was a king who would control their circumstances. This is going to sound a lot like you and me. The Jews were wanting a king that would come in and fix all their problems around them, take care of the people that were bullying them, take care of the, you know, take revenge on the people who had been mean to them, uh, who would protect them physically. And what they got and what we get is not a king that comes in to change our circumstances, but to change our hearts. And that's the Jews. This blows their mind as Jesus begins to speak in this passage. Um, 
Jesus himself in Matthew 4 also says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's read just uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bookend this. We're going to read verse 1 and 2 of Matthew chapter 5, which are the words that Matthew wrote before Jesus starts giving his sermon. And then we'll go to the end of chapter 7 in a minute and read the verses Matthew wrote once Jesus was finished preaching his sermon. So this is Matthew 5, 1, and the first part of verse 2. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So we can find there that the audience primarily are those that believe the disciples, the ones that are following him. He's getting ready to teach them about the kingdom of heaven. Now, I wanted to take a minute here uh, because I don't think you and I sitting in this church in Pikeville can really get a feel for what this sermon was like until we kind of see where it happened. Um, and I wish more than anything we could go up here to the second floor of our church, look out and see uh, an ocean and hills and mountains and be sitting on the beach, right? But we can't. We're surrounded in downtown Pikeville. We do have some mountains. Uh, this, is a, this is a church there uh, on the mount of what's called the Beatitudes, Mount of Beatitudes. Um, it, that dome has eight sides representing the eight Beatitudes that Jesus taught here in this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, there's no way to be 100% sure. This is in the general area. We know it was by the Sea of Galilee. It was near Capernaum. But this is the place that's really recognized if you went to Israel and you wanted to go see where did Jesus give this sermon? This is it. I got a, a shaky little video here that I want to show you um, that, that somebody took. Just so you can, I want you to get, I want you to try to get in your mind what this must have been like. When Jesus himself, imagine if you could have been one of his disciples. This is God in the flesh, walked this hillside, took his disciples and sat down and taught them the most important things about their faith in the kingdom of heaven. He did that while looking out over this water that you can see there with the mountains all around, knowing what the next hundred years would bring, knowing what the next thousand years would bring, knowing that at some point you and I, your name and my name was on his heart when he was sitting there. And he was sharing what was about to come. So let's watch this little video. It's just about two minutes. Um, and you can kind of get a feel for if we were there, if you were there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
mercy, God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. different state of mind after taking yourself there can you feel how it must have felt different can you imagine stopping by one of those little dirt roads Jesus walking over there sitting down and beginning to teach and share those words because uh, what Jesus was getting ready to do for these disciples uh, uh, was he was getting ready to flip the script he was getting ready to blow their minds and what he was about to teach them about the kingdom of heaven. At the end of chapter 7, 28, 29, you all are like, wow. He's, I mean, he really isn't going to talk about the sermon at all today. Uh, and this is what Matthew wrote after he shared all the words of Jesus. Uh, it said, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. There's a couple paraphrase uh, translations of the Bible. When I went and read it, uh, the message was one of them. Uh, it, it said people stood up in applause. They said people were amazed. They, 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 stood up, they, they couldn't understand. And it, it, it says because he taught as one who had authority. Like he was not just another teacher teaching what somebody else had taught him. It was like he was the source of truth when he spoke. And this amazed them. I pray by the time we get through this series, our hearts will be amazed at what he's taught us, at how he loves us and how he cares about us. Um, so let's do this. Um, let's take it. I got four things I want to share about the kingdom of heaven that we find here and that can just give us a framework or a context before we start jumping into the sermon, which we will do uh, next Sunday uh, morning. There's four truths about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. You can use those interchangeable. Uh, the first one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a lot of different verses. I don't have them all on the PowerPoint, um, so I'll share some scripture. You can take notes down and, and, and look them up if you, uh, if you so please, if you like to take notes. Um, but the, first of all, his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is spiritual, not political. It is a spiritual kingdom. It is not a geographic place. It, it is not a, uh, a, 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 a political group of leaders in a party. Uh, it is a spiritual kingdom. It's spiritual, not political. How do I know that? John 18, 33, uh, Pilate, when Jesus was before Pilate, 
uh, he went back inside the palace and said, summon Jesus and ask him and said, are you the king of the Jews? Because that's what everybody kept saying, right? This is king of the Jews, Jesus, king of the Jews. Uh, and Jesus asked him, says, is that your own idea or did others talk to you about me? Pilate said, am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests hand you over to me. What is it you have done? Listen to what Jesus said. He said, my kingdom isn't of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Don't you love how Jesus plays with Pilate? I mean, he's just playing with him. I love it. Um, But Jesus tells him there, he says, my kingdom is not political. It's not a place. It's not in this town. It's not in this country. It is spiritual. It's from another world. Um, And so that's exciting. Romans 14, 17 uh, says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All right. So it's spiritual. It is not political. Second thing uh, is about authority. It's about God's authority in the individual individual heart. All right, you got to hang on with me just a minute. So first, it's uh, it's spiritual. It's not political, uh, and then it's all about who's in charge. Who is the king? The 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 Jews really heard the word uh, kingdom, and they used it as stressed the abstract idea of rule or dominion. For, us, for them, it wasn't even a geographical place. It was about the fact that somebody was king. Somebody was in charge. And so you can't have a kingdom without a king. And, um, and so uh, Jesus used this uh, in a sense in Matthew 16 when he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thus, the kingdom of heaven is wherever the God of heaven is allowed to rule in the hearts of men. All right, so the kingdom of God is spiritual. It's about God's authority in the heart of men, and that's men and women, that is just people. Uh, The kingdom of God, the third thing is that it is manifested, it can be seen in the church. That is manifested in the church. Uh, Matthew sixteen fifteen says, But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? This is Jesus talking to Peter. Peter answered and said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And then he says, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then in verse 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about two interchangeable things there. He says, I'm going to build my church on you, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's using church and kingdom of heaven interchangeably. And we find that if you want to see the kingdom of God, it is his church. It is his church, it's manifested through the church. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, 
the forgiveness of sins. The fourth thing is that this kingdom is really destined for heaven. It is, uh, while it has present tense, the first three are about right now. It was present uh, in the New Testament times. Um, and there's, there's facets of the kingdom of heaven that are present. Those first three, it's, it's spiritual. It's about his rule in our heart. Uh, it's manifested through the church. And the fourth one is it's really destined. It's about the future. It's, it has eternity in mind. It says that the, the kingdom of heaven is destined for heaven. It says then in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, it says, Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Matthew 25, 34 says, Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. All right, so there you got it. Four things about the kingdom of heaven for us to think about and give us context as we prepare to dive in to this sermon. Um, I want to say this. You could change out that, that center dot uh, with, with church. And I think it's just uh, important to kind of bring this out and just pause for a minute and say, what is the church? Is it this building? Is it, uh, is, it, is it a place uh, that we go? Had you said, let's go to church to the, the New Testament Christians, the disciples, that'd be like, that'd be like that's weird. You can't, you can't go to the church. You can't go to the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, the, the church is a spiritual thing. Contrary to popular belief, it's not political. The real church is not a political thing it's a spiritual thing what is the church the church is this this combining of hearts of believers who have turned their heart over to another authority that have given said Christ you are king in my heart Jesus I make you I give you my heart I make you king of my heart those people who have done that become uh, they get new life in Christ. They have a renewing of their mind. They begin to reflect the character of what Jesus is going to talk about in these next verses and in this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but let me, let me say this. You cannot, uh, you cannot have a kingdom where there is no king. And so you, I'm just going to ask you to take a minute and say, who guides, who controls your heart not just who but what what are priorities what are things that have your heart distracted from Christ you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God except you invite him in and give him authority over your life you you can pretend you can become part of church as we know it and you can attend each week and you can be a part of, you can volunteer, you can, uh, uh, you can teach Sunday school. I was hearing a preacher talk the other day and he talked about this wonderful preacher uh, who like 10 years into his ministry did something amazing. He got saved during his own sermon. When he had academically in his head, he'd studied the Bible, he knew it inside and out, he could get up and teach about it. 
Yet he had not given authority over his heart. He he had not built the relationship. And he himself was preaching on the grace of Christ out of the New Testament. And it hit him in the middle of a sermon. He got it and literally got saved. So what I want to what I, I just want you to look at your heart and say, am I, am I trying to be like the Jews were then, the Pharisees, who, who were saying, it's all about external, uh, it's all about how you meet the laws and the good things you do, how it looks on the external, right? They were very legalistic. Uh, they, they were saying, if, if you respect the Sabbath, if you don't carry this much on this day, if you don't do this, if you, you know, it was this, this list of rules. It was if you go to church every Sunday, if cuss uh you know if you if you're not you know having affairs and you're not watching uh you know bad movies and tv shows if you're not clicking on this on the internet uh you know if you're not drinking if you're not you just this whole list of things and it became an external it was all about external righteousness and what christ is teaching here in this sermon is about an inward righteousness and, and it's nothing new. It's not new because you remember David. What did God say about David? What mattered about David? He was a man after God's own heart. He had taught all these laws and these rules. Yet in the Pharisees, they did what we like to do. They like to add to it. You ever been to some churches that have added rules to, you know, the Bible? Like there's extra, like you've got to go a step farther and it's expected. This was the Pharisees. They were very legalistic. They had added they were adding rules to it. And so I'm thinking about when I was a, a young kid and I got my driver's license. And those of you with 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, Lord help you. But when you're a 16, 17-year-old and you're taking that driver's test and you're learning about what's right and wrong and all the traffic rules, why do you, why do you think you should obey the speed limit? It's against the law. And when do you really obey the speed limit the most? When you can see a cop. Right? The rules have become, they're all, there's this immaturity level of realizing that the real reason you don't speed and you don't run red lights and you don't run stop signs is so you don't die. Right? I mean, at the heart of it, that is... That's the reason of it. But what in the Old Testament, what the Jews had seen, they just said this outward uh, righteousness, if I'm obeying the laws, and they had forgotten. And this is where Jesus is getting ready to take them back to. He said, it is not about just obeying the law. It is time to grow up. And there became a time in my life when I was driving, I thought, I should not be driving this fast. I could die. Right? Am I the only one that ever sped more when I was younger than I do now? now I know some people, I, I see some people like 80 years old with those, what are those called, those radar detectors? That scares me. You, you want to get something to scare you? You all know some people. But there becomes a, a time you grow up in understanding that this is not just about, you know, uh, obeying the law and not getting caught. This is actually good for me. This is actually about deeper than just uh, reluctant external obedience. It is about a deeper heart relationship 
with Christ. And that's what Jesus begins to teach here. The Jews had not matured to that point. Uh, they had not uh, they had they had not understood it the way that Jesus was about to teach them. But he told them, I've not come to destroy the law. I'm not teaching you anything new. You're just about to get the real story. You're about to get the real story. Because here's what he said in Matthew 5.20. You're getting one sentence out of the sermon this morning. It's not even the first one. The first one comes in verse 2 and 3. It says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness, imagine him sitting on this hillside, right? He's sitting on this hillside. The Sea of Galilee is out there. These disciples are thinking this is going to be the king. They're thinking he's going to be a strong ruler. We're going to kick Rome out of here. We're going to do this. And he says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And in their world, the Pharisees were the best. If anybody was getting into the kingdom of heaven, it was the Pharisees. And Jesus is speaking these words, and it goes on uh, in this sermon. He's speaking these words, and when they hear that, and they're, all, I'm, you know, they're shaking. They're thinking, man, if the Pharisees aren't going to make it, who's going to make it? How do we make it? He's hooked them at this point. He's like, what are you talking about, Jesus? What are you talking about? And he goes on, and he moves in, and, he, and we find the depth that Jesus is teaching about an inward obedience about uh, uh, an external obedience that is driven, that is created, that is spurred by a person who turns their heart, makes Christ king, and becomes part of the kingdom of heaven. I just want to ask you a couple thoughts as we get ready to close this introduction to say, are you waiting like the Jews for God to change your circumstances. Or do you realize that this God, this Jesus, is about changing your heart? Have you been trying hard to obey the rules and realize you can't? Is it enough for you to see that even if the Pharisees can't make it, that you can't make it of your own accord, of your own righteousness? That you only have hope to put your faith and trust in the righteousness of Christ. And to ask yourself, who is king of my heart? Who is king of my heart? If there is no king, there is no kingdom. You can change that diagram I had out. What is the church? The church is the kingdom of heaven. It's a spiritual group. It's a group of people who have turned their hearts over to Christ. It, uh, it is a, uh, a group of people that this is the very kingdom and essence of God. If you want to see God in person, it's the true authentic church. Now you'll say, well, I've seen some churches and some people. That's because you've looked at a congregation of people 
uh, who are in a building and, in a, and you've, you've, you've put an overwhelming amount of responsibility on that, what we would say, this side, this American, this, this real world structure of what we see as church. Let me tell you, the authentic church, the people of God uh, are different. They are authentic. And you will find that although people and humans will let you down every single time, Christ will not. Christ will not. And then we find finally forth that the kingdom of heaven, the church, is destined for eternity, for heaven. Think about this as we get ready to close, and I got a song I'm going to share on the slideshow. And so I said this, this sermon ends with really an invitation to enter the kingdom. And I think about uh, Jesus and his conversation with Nicodemus when Nicodemus says, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to inherit the kingdom? And he said, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you would stand with me this morning. I'm going to open up the 